Alvarez. Alvarez gets through. This could be a good opportunity for the Galaxy. Pedro Galese with another intervention. Galese stayed down. You would too, Chris. He hit him in the penis. He hit him in the penis. He hit him in the penis. Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar, and that was Pedro Galese, the goalie for Orlando City, <laughs> suffering against the LA Galaxy. Herc, you thought it was so amusing that not only should we put it in the show, it should lead the show. Another sign of our growing maturity here yeah. on episode 110. Yeah, uh, shout out to Chris Whittingham, the uh, announcer, a good friend of the show. Uh, epic call. Epic call. Epic call. Uh, some epic stuff coming up in today's edition of the show. This, of course, one of three shows, Herc, that we're going to be doing this week. we got a show Wednesday. we got a show Thursday. We'll have the details on those shows a little bit later on uh, here in this one. But coming up on this Monday edition of Football America, we have the latest on Brendan Aarons' injury issues, Herc. A lot of back and forth there, but I think we finally got it squared away with uh, what it all means for Brendan Aronson and the U.S. men's national team. What about the Mexican national team, Herc? Their roster dropped just minutes after we went off the air uh, on Thursday Thanks, night. Tata. Mauricio Pedrosa is going to join us uh, to break all that down. Plus, we got to look back on the weekend that was in MLS, Liga MX, Liga MX Femenil, NWSL, USL, all of it. Breathe, but, Herc, breathe. Wow. <laughs> let's start the show with a question so pressing, Herc, that you had to tweet it earlier <laughs> today. To your many, hundreds of thousands, 250,000, I think, exact, uh, Twitter followers. Yeah. Should the U.S. play their strongest 11 against Mexico on Thursday, or should Greg Berhalter and the U.S. save their best 11 for the second game of the window against Panama in Orlando <clears throat> on Sunday? Now, the uh, latest results, you see them down there at the bottom of the page. This is with over 4,100 votes. Look how close it is. 51% say strongest against Mexico, 49%. Say, save your best lineup for Panama. The game you're probably most likely to win uh, of the three, right? So first, before we discuss the percentages and what it tells us about the American soccer fan base, her, <laughs> do we what go would there? you do and what should Greg Berhalter do? What would I do if I were the U.S. men's national coach? I would play what's in front of me. I would not leave it to the end. I would not want to face anything else but Mexico right now. And, and we're going to get into the injuries. We're going to get into who's available. We're going to get into all that. But you have to go in with your strongest lineup versus Mexico. Forget about Tyler Adams sitting on a card. Forget about who's there. Forget about who's not. Mm. Try to secure three points. Three points. Because Mexico, if anything, in this World Cup qualifying window has been not convincing at home. We can go back to the Jamaica game. The very first game, a COVID-depleted Jamaica, over 12 absences. It was an 88-plus minute winner by Henry Martin. Then you go and you face, what is it? After that 88th place winner, you got to go and it's, who was it? it uh, Canada, you tie the game. And then it's Costa Rica, zeros. And then it's Panama, a dicey PK in the 80th, 80th minute, excuse me, that Rojo Jimenez puts in. Uh, they've not been convincing at home. And this is a team that you've beaten three times in a calendar year. A team that you've beaten twice in two finals. A team that you have a psychological edge over. 
Say what you will. You can lose the game, that's fine. You can lose any game. But you have to go in trying to win. If you really want to change soccer, the way people view around the world American soccer, this would be it. The mythological Azteca Stadium. Do not leave it to the end. Uh, as I mentioned in the press conference that we had with Greg Berhalter on Thursday, I don't know why everybody's asking about rotations. Again, if you take care of business in the first and second game, the third game against Costa Rica does not matter. So for this window, rotations for me anyway have to go out the window. It's another thing about the messaging, Herc. You would know more about what, what it says to a team if you're not going all in to win the biggest game, right? I would think in the locker room that would send some type of negative message. But if you put anything but your best 11 out in the Azteca, basically what you're saying is it's acceptable for us to mm. lose, right? And if you're saying that, then really what you're saying is it's acceptable for us to go to that last game against Costa Rica with a sweat. And look, if you're not confident in Mexico, you should not be confident going no, down to Costa Rica because no. you haven't won ever in qualifying in Mexico and you haven't won ever in qualifying in Costa Rica. To the, to the results <clears throat> of this poll, Hurt, what does it tell us about that 49%? What could they possibly thinking? Save the 11 for Panama? You're going to have to explain that to me. You I know think the American fan better is, than I this do. Is, this is the, and not just the fan. There are many pundits. And the reasoning behind this is you're going into high altitude against a team who's very good at home in a situation you were probably going to lose anyway where you're probably not going to get a great result. So save your best 11 for Panama at home because you need the three points no matter what. Three points and then some results go your way, you could be in. But if you get zero points in each, if you try to win and don't win, don't secure a point in Mexico, then that leaves you depleted for Panama. This is their thinking, the rationale. That now leaves all three points up for grabs in Costa Rica. Uh, but that shouldn't be the case. Listen, we can't lament on, on what you didn't already do. The points dropped against Panama in Panama. The points dropped against Canada in the United States. Throw that out the window. This is what you have right now. Jamaica that tight. This is what you have in front of you right now. You are the national team with the hardest remaining schedule this window. That's easily the situation. So go out and win. I spoke to two former U.S. men's national team coaches. What would you do? Both said coaches say you go out with your strongest lineup versus Mexico and you try to win. And I said, what about Panama? The message you send, that's going to be greater. And if you win, that impact right there, it's a double blow to Mexico and to your team psychologically. And to the 49%, don't you remember Cincinnati? Don't you remember the Gold Cup? Don't you remember the Nations League have a little bit of confidence? You please. But please, play to win every a little bit game. of confidence going down to Azteca. Now, maybe a reason they're not all that confident, Herc, is the aforementioned news about Brendan Aronson. Now, we've been waiting on pins and needles uh, really since Sunday because you'll remember he was called in on Thursday, but on Sunday gets pulled from Salzburg's starting lineup 10 minutes before kickoff with what Salzburg first called a knee problem. Well, Taylor Twelman, our colleague, reported it was an MCL injury, one that would cost him two to four weeks, uh, or effectively the entire international window that has now been confirmed uh, by U.S. soccer. The important news, the big, big news here is that Aronson now joins a list that includes Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, Matt Turner. Big names, big injuries ahead of the last window in qualifying. Herc, in your opinion, which of those injuries is the biggest problem moving forward for the U.S. and Greg Berhalter as they face these three huge games? Teardrop. 
Teardrop. Uh, it's Weston McKinney. I love me some Brendan Aronson. He's Mr. Football Americas. I love what mm. he's all about. He's proven it when he's giving an opportunity. There's nobody who's proven it more except Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney happens to be the heartbeat, excuse me, of this U.S. Men's National Team. He was also the most informed U.S. Men's National Team player. Probably the player with the most clutch gene in the pool. Uh, and if we're looking at the most important game, which is the first game, because mm -hmm. the most important game is the game you have in front of you, he's a player that always hurt Mexico. Nations League, CONCACAF final, the dagger though, every set piece, he was important. The goal, he was voted the best player in that tournament. We go on to what is the Dos Acero in Cincinnati. He was fantastic. Ever since that first window when he had that COVID protocol breach, mm. he's been lights out. Many wanted to excommunicate Weston McKinney from the national team. He's come back to the fold even stronger. He's proven to be a leader. He's proven to be an impact player. And in my eyes, he's irreplaceable. Mm. I'm not going, I can argue a lot of things with you on this show. I'm not going to argue with you, Weston McKinney. I, I especially appreciate the point that you mentioned about the set pieces. From a Mexico fan perspective, not having Weston McKinney in the game is good news. Not having him as a threat on those set pieces mm -hmm. is really great news. I think there's also an argument to be made here just in terms of importance for Serginho Dest, right? Because you lose not just a right back, you also yeah. potentially use, lose the le a guy who you can use for versatility at left back. So you lose really two guys in the depth chart there. And then at right back, we touched on it a little bit, but what really do you have? DeAndre Yedlin, who's just changed teams. I think that's unsettling for a player. And if you look at where he plays with Inter Miami now, a lot of the times it's a lot higher up the pitch. It's almost like a, a, a right wing back if you're going off where he's playing based on the heat maps. Now, maybe that's how Inter-Miami wants him to play. I don't think that's the role that he would have in a back four for the U.S. in Azteca and Mexico. And then another guy who I thought, you know, maybe would be an option there, uh, Reggie Cannon as well. That would be my case for Serginho Dest. But just so we don't move past this without mentioning the guy who actually got hurt, Brendan Aronson is a significant injury, right? I know it's a deep position, but it's not an insignificant loss, yeah? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. He's one of your most impactful players. He's probably, for Greg Berhalter, one of the players with the most appearances, one of the best players statistically, goals, assists. He's a good two-way player. And I know we've been seeing him a lot as a winger, but I actually thought this was a situation, this was the window that we may see him as an eight. Uh, and now that goes out the window, you've got a, a lot of players coming back from injury. You've got a lot of holes to plug. You've got a lot of questions. Brendan Aronson was the answer for a lot of those uh, doubts for, for many. Yeah, still to the point about uh, depth at that position. You got Wea, Reina, Pulisic, Ariola, Jordan Morris. I think we can throw in there as well. So plenty of options for Greg Burhalter. Plenty of options as well for Burhalter, Greg. Up top, your old position, the number nine. But none of those options might look as good right now, right this second, as Jesus Ferreira, who was called up on Thursday and then her 48 hours later exploded uh, with his first career hat trick for FC Dallas in a 4 1 win over. Portland. Pretty good stuff and pretty good timing, yeah? Fastest hat trick, youngest to for a hat. Yeah, mm -hmm. great timing. Are you kidding me? Especially when everybody's doubting him as a nine. He's like, okay, let me play nine ball here. Let me play as a nine for my club. Let me just score a hat trick. And it's the type of goals, arriving late. It's a type of play, possession play, link up play. That's all good and done. I'm glad and I'm here for it. And if you can be productive in your club as a nine, then you can earn your place on the national mezzanine. line. Nobody's going to say anything. But you have mm. to do it at the international level now. Now, Jesus Fedeta, good player. Can he prove to take that step to be a great player? We shall see. You got to start him against Mexico, right? He's coming off a hat trick. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't ah, know about that. We'll find out in just a second.
All right, uh, what about the goalies? FA Cup weekend. Of course, you can watch the FA Cup on ESPN+. Plus. Zach Steffen, he made his first start since January 7th as Manchester City beat Southampton 4-1 on Sunday. Production says this goal was 30% Steffen's fault. Herc, you agree? Uh, yeah. There's... <sighs> He's got no angle. He's going away from goal. It's an own goal. He's got a part of play in it, but I'm not sure that's entirely on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did make some big saves anyway as uh, Manchester City advanced to the semifinals. And what a semifinal matchup it'll be. Manchester City against, ooh la la, Liverpool. So they're going to meet in Premier League action. Then they're going to meet in the FA Cup. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful time coming up in the Premier League. Now, Liverpool, to get to the semifinals, who they beat? Nottingham Forest. And who was in net for them? Ah, none other than Ethan Horvath. He had five saves. He's basically, Herc, been Nottingham Forest goalie, uh, or starter, since the beginning of March. Yeah. The last eight games, he started seven. Look at Firmino. I got this. No, you don't. No, you yeah. don't. Uh, a few hiccups with distribution, but I thought he was solid this game. Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool took till the 78th minute to finally get their breakthrough, courtesy of Diogo Jota. What about Gio Reyna? He started and, and this is maybe the best news, played the full 90 for Dortmund over the weekend against Köln in the match that Dortmund drew. Uh, that's bad news because it's going to hurt their title chances, any chance to catch Bayern Munich. But Herc gets a marked 180 from the tears that we saw when Reyna re-injured his hamstring in his first game back against Gladbach. That was one month ago. So yay for young players that heal quickly. How about yeah, that? He, he should have had an assist there. Erling Holland missed that one. But 90 minutes, you said it yourself, the most important <laughs> thing. When's the last time you even heard of Gio Reyna going almost 90? I mean, it's been five-plus months, so this is welcoming. Gio Reyna, we got goalie questions, we got questions up top uh, with the number nine. So uh, let's address all the questions that Greg Berhalter has in front of him, and let's address them at once. Herc, I want to see your gulp. ideal 11 for USA against Mexico in the Azteca. Show it to me, production, please. There we go. Ethan Horvath in goal. Anthony Robinson on the left. DeAndre Yedlin on the right, who started both the last wins over Mexico on the mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Zimmerman, Robinson in the middle. Adams in that sixth row. Acosta and Musa in that double eight. Christian Pulisic. Gio Reyna and Ricardo mm. Pepe. El Tren Pepe as your nueve. I like it, but I have some questions. Ask I have some away. very, ask, very ask big away. questions. All right, on Ethan Horvath, that's what you would do. No chance you actually believe that Greg Berhalter would choose anybody but Zach Steffen when Zach Steffen is healthy, right? Yeah, I think you're right on that. I think he's going to pick Zach, Zach Steffen. And most of the time I'm with him. I like Zach Steffen. I think he's a more complete goalkeeper. But Ethan Horvath's a hot hand here. He started okay. the last seven out of eight games for Nottingham Forest, uh, never giving up more than one goal in those outings uh, in each game. Uh, and he's playing right now with confidence. And Zach Steffen's coming from a situation where, due to a shoulder injury, he wasn't even on the roster for the last eight games. Comes back here, a few shaky moments. Uh, we know what he gives you with his feet, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a situation like we saw in Cincy where he's going to need to play through Mexico. I think you're going to be probably doing a lot more defending and shot stopper is what you may need. I don't have a problem with Ethan Horvath, so I'd go him. Yeah. I wonder what the team feels about it, right? Are they more comfortable with somebody like Stefan who they've uh, had around before? What about the midfield choice? You've replaced Weston McKinney with Kellen Acosta. Now, I see Acosta and Adams in there, and I think, all right, that's a pretty defensive midfield setup. Is that what you want against Mexico? 
a little bit of both. I don't want him just to sit. I don't want him just to defend. I think when I look at the versatility that Kellen Acosta can offer you, the balance that he offers, the bite defensively, the ability mm. to protect that back line, which often, oftentimes can get stretched if you want to uh, press the opponent. I like that duality that he can give you and also set pieces. Look at this goal right here. This man does very well in set pieces. He's proven it over and over and over again. I really feel the times that he's not done well with the U.S. men's national team, he was not set up to do well. They were circumstantial. The European trip where he was the only player who was on preseason who started that game, he looked all out of sorts. Uh, the Panama game, if you will, where nobody looked good. I think he's been a very good, very capable player. And of all the French players that you could put up at me, he's the one player I'm sure has his ticket booked to an eventual Qatar if they qualify. Quick answer here on set pieces against Mexico. Who's taking them? Pulisic and Acosta, because you got both in the starting 11. It's uh, probably Gio Reyna, but uh, Kellen Acosta. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Never get a straight answer out of Hercules Gomez. All right, uh, maybe we'll get a straight answer here. Why Pepe? No goals. Why yeah. Pepe? Why not Pifak? Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I thought about Pifak, and Pifak offers you a lot of things, and it's just goals, right? Ricardo Pepe, I'm thinking to myself, sometimes you have to know the player. Sometimes you have to trust the player. And if I'm a coach, I have to realize how much a game like this would mean to Ricardo Pepe, a Mexican-American 19-year-old who grew up watching Mexican soccer. The opportunity to play at Stadio Azteca, a dream come true. Now, is that really you, a tiebreaker before, for a before, manager? Is before, that really a tiebreaker for a manager? He didn't, come on, he didn't score against Mexico and Cincinnati. You want me to let me finish? Or do you want to take over the segment? Yeah? Yeah? All right, good. Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe is a guy who saved your job. And what do you do last window? You don't trust him. This is Mexico in the Azteca. If there was ever a game, trust me, from a nine, Mexican-American nine who's played in Estadio Azteca, there is something mm -hmm. special. There's an extra gear. There's a willingness to run through a wall, whatever it takes to win. I honestly feel this is a chance to snap out of that drought for Ricardo Pepe. In all the games you could possibly do it, this is the backbreaker that can get him going. I would start Ricardo Pepe. There's not much of a difference in play if you think about it between the nines. I know PFAC's been scoring goals, mm -hmm. and PFAC would be an option for me off the bench, but Ricardo Pepe, I think, is your man here. All right. Last window, Pepe didn't start until the uh, third game. Yeah. Right? Remember, yeah. Uh, we got Ferreira, then we got Zardes, then we got Pepe. Let's see if there's a switch from Greg Berhalter here, and we go with Pepe against Mexico. All right. Uh, reminder, we do have two more shows this week, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. Wednesday going to be special, huh, Herc? We're going to be at uh, Pinche Gringo. I don't even know if I should really say that. My mom says, don't say that word on TV. Well. So she's going to be upset. I know, I know. Uh, anyway, it's a great barbecue spot in Mexico City. American Outlaw is going to be there. And we got a little corner uh, set up for ourselves. So cannot wait to bring you that show. 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on ESPN Plus Wednesday. Special USA-Mexico preview. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com.
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, her big weekend for Mexicans abroad. And by big, I mean some good and some bad and uh, definitely some ugly. Let's start with Edson Alvarez. He started, but he actually only played 45 minutes in Ajax's 3-2 win over Feyenoord in the Classiker. Maybe they were resting him with an eye towards the international window, although we should note Ajax didn't play very well in the first half when Edson was on the field. They were down 2-1 at the half. You're seeing some of the crazy scenes from the games. They're a fire in the stands. Ajax with a victory. They are first place in the table, two points ahead of PSV. What about Tecatito Corona? So he started and he played 67 minutes for Sevilla in their nil-nil draw against Real Sociedad. So even with her Real Madrid slipping up big time in El Clásico against Barcelona, Sevilla and Tecatito couldn't really take advantage of the opportunity. Chucky Lozano, okay, he had a big, fat, hairy, ugly DNP, did not play in Napoli's 2-1 win over Udinese. Uh, however, in this case, usually you hate to see Lozano not used, but with his uh, recent injury history and the magnitude of these games, maybe keeping him in the bubble wrap is fine. Nestor Araujo, speaking of bubble wrap, he came off injured in Celta de Vigo's scoreless draw against Real Betis. Now he did start the game, but he exited in the 68th minute, which what looked like a left hamstring injury. So not good news there for El 3 at a position of need center back. Same game, playing time, sirens. Not just Orbelin Pineda, but also Diego Laines. Orbelin, he came in in the 86th minute, a few minutes after Linus entered the match in the 83rd. Uh, the draw doesn't really help either of these two teams in this case. Betis right now fifth in the table. They're dropping out of Champions League competition. And Celta right now swimming mid-table. They are 11th. I don't know if you saw this on Friday, Herc. Jesse Marsh and Leeds, they came back to win 3-2 against Wolves after being uh, uh, down 2-0. All three Leeds goals coming after Raul Jimenez was sent off for his second yellow card after the collision you saw there with Leeds goalie. Uh, Melier, Raul seeing red in the 53rd minute as his international break gets off to an early start. Jesse Marsh and Luke Ayling, the hero, as Leeds celebrate three huge points in their bid to stay up. All that to get to this, the roster, which as we mentioned was dropped literally minutes after we got off the air on Thursday by Tata Martino. The uh, injury absences, let's get through those first. Andres Guardado, Rogelio Funes Mori, Cata Dominguez, Chaka Rodriguez. We have some late scratches too. Jonathan Orozco, Rodolfo Pizarro. Those two giving way for Carlos Acevedo and Roberto Alvarado. The big names are here, pretty much all of them, except for guys like Chicharito and Carlos Salcedo, who we know are in the doghouse as Mexico faces the US, Honduras, and El Salvador for a spot in the World Cup. All right, Herc, I got to catch my breath. Uh, before I get to, am I cool with Tata Martino's roster? Do you have any thoughts on Tata Martino's 29 man list? 29, you want to get it right. Uh, it, it's funny because we keep mentioning Chicharito Hernandez. We keep mentioning Carlos Salcedo. We keep mentioning all these players who are blacklisted. They're not part of the national team. Mm -hmm. So it's funny we keep mentioning. This is pretty much a full squad. With the exception of Guardado, I mean, you've got all your big players mm -hmm. there. So. Yeah, it's interesting to me how Tata Martino justifies certain players being recalled and recalled, and we will get into that, but there are really no surprises here. Yeah. If there's some things I don't like, it is that guys like Chicharito and Salcedo, not only do they have a lot of, of quality, Herc, um, but they got a lot of experience, and you feel for like 
games like this, especially that US game, man. You just, you want as much experience, if not in the team, if not in the actual 11 around the yeah. team. Um, for a moment like this, because there's still pressure, right? There's there's still a sweat here for Mexico uh, as far as qualifying for this World Cup. The 29-man roster was a bit of a surprise to me. I was surprised that it was that big. I yeah. would think as we get closer and closer to a World Cup, your roster would be getting smaller and smaller, right? You're figuring out more and more who you can rely on. Instead, it looks like Tata Martino is desperate for more and more and more options. Like, he's not really getting the answers he seeks, which is a fan I don't think gives you uh, a ton of confidence. To your point, what I do like is that pretty much everybody's available, right? Especially if you're going to compare it to the U.S. team <laughs> coming into this game. If your only absence is Andres Guardado from a health standpoint, this roster looks very very, very good. All right, for more on Mexico's roster and the national team in general, why don't we bring in our good friend and colleague and your co-host on Ahora Nunca, five days a week on ESPN Deportes. Oh, he joins us prepared. now, Mauricio Pedrosa, <laughs> and not hiding his loyalties at all. Mau, are you ready for this trip to Mexico City, baby? We're going to do it right or what? I am so ready. I just didn't know if I had to pack this mm. jacket or not. I might not take it with me, but I'm so ready I might be even readier than the U.S. men's national team, who I understand. I was listening to you guys. A lot of players injured. Not the case with the Mexican national team. So, estamos listos. And, by the way, at El Pinche Gringo, the food is amazing. Be uh, ready I for bet, that. I've I been bet, there before. I bet the food is amazing. <laughs> Maybe just don't wear that jacket on Wednesday night Ooh. with our good friends from the uh, American Outlaws. All right, let's get to our edition of three questions here. Now, even though there are 29 players named to this list, Everybody's still talking about uh, who is left out. So let's address this from a, a kind of big picture standpoint, right? Because there are lots of young, talented players on the likes of yeah. Pachuca, Atlas. Uh, yes, I'll even throw Chivas in there. Maybe Pumas as well. Chivas. Um, is Tata Martino, when he's calling up these teams now, is he ignoring the young talent in Liga Mekis? Absolutely, he's ignoring that, and it's concerning, but after a lot of thought, I finally found a reason for that. He's gone after the World Cup. He mm. doesn't give a you-know-what about the future. <laughs> he wants to win right now. He doesn't want to bring younger players because that's not his plan. He's not, he he, not going to be there after December, so it's not one of his concerns to develop young talent for the Mexican national team. I'm going to give you some names that rightfully had a deserving shot of being included in that final roster. Carlos Acevedo, we know now he's going to be there just because mm -hmm. Jonathan Orozco is injured. Alan Mosso, we already spoke in this very same show that there were some discipline issues with him, but there's no question that if you're going to call up Jorge Sanchez, Alan Mosso has been playing much better. He had to be there. Eric Sanchez, Eric Lira, Marcel Ruiz from Tijuana, and... What's up with my guy, Marcelo Flores? Isn't he supposed to be the future of Mexican soccer? Doesn't he deserve a shot to be a part of a 29-man roster? The only reason is that Tata Martino knows he's gone after mm. December, and he doesn't care about the future. That's why he's not giving those young <clears throat> players a shot. Wow. You, you know, it's funny. We always joke. It's a running joke. It's, it's an ongoing running joke that Tata Martino does not watch Liga MX. Like, that's the joke yep. with people. That's a joke with pundits and 
now I'm starting to really believe it because I don't buy the, I mean, he may be going, and I think Mao's right about that. He may be gone, but I don't buy the, he doesn't think about the future, and that's why he's doing it today, because he's not thinking about his present. If you're telling me that Gallardo and Chaka are better options than some of the players you have available, like Mosso, who's been very, very good for Pumas, like Campos for Santos, these young guys, just for pressing-wise, even if they're just to make them feel uncomfortable. The fact that he's got his Baca Sagrados, he's got his, his Holy Cows, he's got his, his players that are untouchable and you can't move those. Listen, Mexico doesn't have the benefit of the doubt of a, of a pool like the U.S. Men's National Team where you've got a lot of players in Europe. Okay, the players who are in Europe, they're going to be called in. But the rest you got to get from Liga Amekis. And you've got to constantly be challenging players. If not, it gets stale. And that's what I'm seeing right now with El Tri. Mm, now, what you said about Tata Martino not thinking long-term has to be the explanation here. And I'll tell you why. Because he's been so yeah. slow to turn this team over from jump. It has always been the old Maca Sagradas, as you guys say, the players who cannot be moved. If you look at how the U.S. has turned over their team from 2019 to 2021, it's a totally different squad. The same has not happened for Mexico. What Tata Martino has done for the last two years is very much with an eye on 2022. And I think, Mal, to your point, it doesn't have an eye on 2026. The other impact of all this is it's not going to help with a problem that we always talk about with the Mexican national team, which is exportation of players. Because if you're not letting the guys from Pachuca and Atlas get minutes on the national team, and what we always hear from Europe is that nobody watches Liga Mekis, and now we find out Tata Martino doesn't even watch Liga Mekis, who's ever going to see these guys if they're not getting the call-ups to the national team? So I think it's bad for El Tri in, in the current. I think it's bad for the national team uh, in the future as well. Our second questions here on Three Questions has to do with an injury absence and a big one at that. Andres Guardado closing in on perhaps, perhaps a fifth World Cup, but he's going to miss this window after picking up an injury with Betis. Now, the question is this. How much will Andres Guardado's absence actually, and that's the key word, actually, Mao, hurt Mexico? Are they going to miss him at all or what? Nah. Now that you add the very emphatically, by the way, actually, mm -hmm. then you force me to say... Not at all. Not at all. And here's why. If anything, I actually believe, actually, Sebastian, I believe this is an opportunity for, yes, Tata Martino, and speaking in general terms, the Mexican national team to finally find out if there's a player to take over that spot for good. Two names come, come mm. to mind, Eric Gutierrez, Charlie Rodriguez. This is going to be the biggest chance they're going to have to secure probably a starting spot in the World Cup if they can convince Tata Martino that because of their younger, because they have more minutes, because those minutes have been actually very valuable. Charlie Rodriguez with Cruz Azul, Eric Gutierrez with PSV. That's going to prove Tata Martino that he doesn't really need Andres Guardado in that left-hand side position next to Edson Alvarez. Now, when we talk about leadership, right, and that's a different conversation when you ask us, so if, if Andres Guardado is going to be actually missed, these three games are very, very hard-fought games. USA, Honduras, and then El Salvador. You do need players with a lot of experience for those games, especially if you're going to finally secure, uh, punch your ticket to the World Cup. And there, that's where Andres Guardado plays a bigger role. But in terms of play, I think this is actually an opportunity for Tata Martino and specifically Charlie, Charlie Rodriguez and Eric Gutierrez. This is where I think we're off. 
If you're telling me that you want to try these players out to see if they can be good for the World Cup, gentlemen, you're trying to qualify for the World Cup. I think people aren't grasping the, the severity of these two national teams. The U.S. men's national team could quite possibly not qualify for the World Cup. A bad scenario this window could see El Tri, Mexican national team, not qualify for the World Cup. You have to get to the World Cup. Now, if you're talking about just playing against the United States, this game that's in front of you, I went back and I'm like, well, how did Guardado do against those games? You know, did he start? How did he do when he started? He didn't start the 3-2 game. He came on and missed a penalty kick against Ethan Horvath. Anybody can miss a PK. The ones who missed are the ones with the aguacates to take the shot, okay? The 2-0 in Cincinnati, he didn't start that game either. So neither of those games were on Guardado. The physicality, the, the play, the transition, whatever you may want to knock on Guardado, that wasn't the case. Maybe what they the sorely lacked was the leadership. What does that tell you? That Andres Guardado didn't start those games. Doesn't that tell you that that Latino feels already that he's not fit enough? He's, I'm not going to say good enough, but that he's not a good fit for his team playing those crucial games. I agree with you. Neither Mexico or the U.S. have secured their spot. We both believe that they're going to be there. But to, to, to that point, if Guardado didn't start those games, I think that's telling you a lot of how Tata Martino thinks of Andres Guardado right now. If they won him or if they mm. got results, but they did not. So, Herc, you think they'll miss him? I mean, you were the first of all three of us I to am. ask that he be retired. Yeah. You yeah. wanted to retire from the national team like six months ago. I, yeah, I, I did. Right. I did. Right. And then I see him play for Betis, and it's the age-old question. Same thing with Hector Herrera. How come these mm. older Mexican players can play for their club teams, but they can't play in CONCACAF? Like, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you, Tata. Mm. Uh, let me just uh, wrap us up with this. It's less of a problem than all three of the field players that are injured for the United States, right? Because yeah. with Aronson, with Dest, uh, you got starters yeah. there. You got guaranteed starters there. With Weston McKinney, you got a starter. Even Turner, I might say, uh, is more important of an injury. Andres Guardado, you know, I don't think at this point we really are sure if he's a starter. To your point about who it is, I hope it's Eric Gutierrez. Uh, we've seen Charlie. He's gotten his chances. Mm. Eric Gutierrez has not, and he's been playing for PSV and in the starting lineup. We've seen week Romo in as well. And yeah. week out. Give me Gutierrez. If not now, when? Okay, final of the three questions here on this three questions. Football Americas ahead of USA, Mexico. Nestor Araujo, uh, we mentioned to you earlier, injured, a doubt against the U.S. So what to do at center back? Is it time for Johan Vasquez to step into the mix? And who, Mal, should he be partnering with? So it has, it, it's been long overdue. And it's Johan Vasquez, a three, and three other guys to play a difference for me, in my, in my understanding, mm -hmm. at least. It doesn't matter if Araujo is injured or not. Johan Vasquez has to start for the Mexican national team. And there's a rumor that I was able to talk with one of the Mexican national team insiders. Tata Martino had his doubts. Even if he was going to call up Johan Vasquez, I do not get it. Now that he's there, he has to start. Johan Vasquez, after the last international break, not only played, but started every single game for Genoa. Genoa is unbeaten in their last eight games. I know they have only won once, but their defense is playing so much better. And that's because Johan Vasquez has really played at an outstanding level. So for me, he has to be the starter. Who are we going to pair him with? I don't even care. As long as he starts, he's the best Mexican defender right now. You can put Rafa Marquez for all I want, but Johan Vasquez has to be a starter for this team right now and for the future.
Listen, he's, he's doing well in Serie A. There's no disputing that. It's why can't he play for Tata Martino? And I sounded like a broken record months ago when I was telling Seb and you, Mauricio Pedrosa, that Tata Martino does not rate Johan Vazquez. If he did, he would play more than the four games he's already played for El Tri. Cesar Montes and Hector Moreno, whether any of us like it or not, are most likely going to be the duo. And if you look at when Johan Vasquez has played, they've paired him next to Cata Dominguez. They've paired him, and they put him in scenarios where he wasn't quite given the opportunity to shine. You look at that game, Dos Acero, in, in Cincinnati, it wasn't like he played great, but it wasn't like Mexico played great at all. And I mm. think that hurt him. I think in Tata Martino's eyes, he was singled out for the one opportunity he did get. But he's a player that's not only your future, like Mal said, he's probably your best player right now, your best defender today. So I've been screaming for a while. Let's go young at center back, right? I wanted this Cesar Montes, Johan Vasquez pairing for a while. A couple questions here. Quick answers, guys, because I know there is some concern that yeah. Rayado's recent dip in form might impact Montes. Are you worried at all about that, Mal? Quick answer. Not so much. I have been able to call uh, a couple of Rayados games for ESPN Deportes. He looks good. I'm not that concerned for uh, his, uh, his form. He's playing great. And he's going to start alongside Johan. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. All right. Johan Vasquez has been playing in Genoa, and we just got all the stats. One thing we didn't mention, he's been mostly playing as a left back. Does that worry you, Herc, that yeah. he's been playing a different position at club than international level? Absolutely. The, the not being familiar with, with certain teammates worries, worries me. The, the system that Tata Martino deploys worries me. The only thing that gives me some sort of comfort is at the U23 level, the Olympic level, <clears throat> He was a partner with Cesar Montes and did very, very well. They were very good together. In fact, Cesar Montes, out of the two, was the one who would make the mistakes. It wasn't Johan Vasquez. And right now we're seeing a flip yep. in their fortune, and it's Cesar Montes who's reaping the benefits. All right, Mal, we got to let you go. I know you got to get packed for Mexico. We're all uh, heading south. What is it, tomorrow? Are we, is it tomorrow already? Tomorrow. I, I got to check tomorrow. in for my flight. All right, Mal, we'll see you down in Defe, and we look forward to a, a great meal there at Pinche Gringos. See you there, guys. There he is, Mauricio Pedros, and actually the player that he just mentioned, Marcelo Flores. Topic of a, a run it back here, his third goal for Arsenal U23s. And guess what, Herc, he did get a call up to the Mexican under 20s. Well, it's a start, it's a start. I mean, listen, he's a good player. He got a call up in a friendly. He's still a U23 product though, Seb. I know, I know, and Arsenal are rolling right now, so they're probably not, not gonna call him up or? What does is, what is Beto, our production Arsenal expert, say? Marcelo Flores to the first team this season? He says, not yet, <laughs> not, not yet. yet. Look at that, production sinking Marcelo Flores. Well, I hope we see him. I hope you see this. Portugal, Turkey, UEFA World Cup qualifying action Thursday. Cristiano, Ronaldo, and Portugal playing for their spot in the World Cup. Do not miss it. Coverage starts Thursday, 3.45 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Week four action across MLS with the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good. 
Charlotte FC hurt their first win in franchise history, a 3-1 win at home over New England. Boy, are the uh, wheels falling off for the Revs. Carol Zvidersky, the designated player with a couple goals in this one. No, Seb, I'm not going to take the opportunity to talk about the horrendous week that was New England Revolution. No, mm -hmm. I want to congratulate Charlotte FC on their first win. Also, Ben Bender. Lord Bender, the number one draft pick in the Super Draft. That's two goals and an assist. They've only Noted. scored four goals. Noted Super Draft hater, Hercules Gomez, giving uh, Ben Bender a shout out. Hey, there. shout out, Lord Bender. Come on, I get props when it's due. Uh, the attendance in this one, 29,000 and change, Herc. Not quite 75,000. And I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, but no, don't worry about that extra 45,000. You know why? Why? They just covered it up with augmented reality. So it's the new tarp, right? You just now, you just, you just VR uh, the top of the stadium was. and it looks full. All right, uh, bad. Surprise, surprise, Inter-Miami. Uh -oh. They lose 3-1 against FC Cincinnati. Miami has zero wins, one draw, three losses, two goals for, 10 goals against. They had two shots on goal in this game, Herc, and one of them was a penalty. You said Cincinnati was gonna be the worst team in the league. You said Cincinnati had no chance. Look at Brandon Vasquez. Mm -hmm. That's two in a row, that's twice. Pat Newton getting it done, Inter-Miami. Oh, you know when their last time they won was November. They've got one victory since the 27th of October of last year. Abysmal start for Phil Neville and David Beckham. Props to FC Cincinnati. Yes, I did say they would be a wooden spoon winners, or do we call it winners, losers uh, this year. That's back-to-back -back wins for FC Cincinnati. So uh, they're rolling, at least. Uh, by their standards. I also said Inter-Miami was going to be my surprise this season. <laughs> I should have I should have uh, made it clear. My, my negative surprise. My negative surprise. Uh, ugly comes from the end of RSL's 2-1 victory over Nashville. Dax McCarty shown red for this stomp slash kick on Bodie Davis. Herc, shocking. Yeah, it, it is shocking uh, considering who Dax McCarty is. I mean, he's a 16-year MLS vet with almost 300 games to his name, impeccable career, uh, liderazgo, leadership, you know, just a, a straight stand-up role model uh, in the league, and he lost his head. Lost his head here, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's multiple games. Absolutely, so Dax McCarty there, and that was on Saturday. On Sunday, McCarty taking to social media to offer up this apology. A few things that I want to say, first and foremost is an apology. I need to apologize to everybody that was involved in that game yesterday. I reached out to Bodie and let him know that I'm very sorry for what happened. Uh, I hoped he wasn't injured. He was great, seems like a really nice guy, accepted my apology, let me know that he was okay, which is the most important thing to come out of all of this. To be quite honest, I don't really know what I was hoping to accomplish, but it, it, it looks horrible. It, it turned out horrible. Uh, I wish that uh, I could let you guys into my head to let you know what my intent was, which was not to hurt anybody, not to kick anybody, not to step on anyone. All right, Herc, to be fair, that wasn't the entirety of Dax's apology. We kind of trimmed it down for television purposes. Uh, are you cool with the apology from Dax McCarty? Yeah, I'm cool with it. I think it speaks to, to who he is, right? This moment will not define Dax McCarty and, and who he is as a player, as a person in Major League Soccer. And everything I've heard about Dax McCarty from yep. ex-teammates of his is he's an impeccable teammate. And I think this speaks more of his humility, this video, and the, the ability to understand that you were wrong and move forward. 
Yep. As somebody who has covered him in MLS, he is one of the kind of all-time good guys, one of those guys mm-hmm. you go to first as a, as a member of the media. I do think, though, I'm with you. I don't think this will be just one and done, right? No. This is a this is a multiple-game suspension yeah. that's probably coming from the disciplinary committee. In case you didn't know, MLS, they power right on through the international window, okay? You can never get enough Major League Soccer, and there's more of it on your screens this coming weekend. Sunday, it's the Portland Timbers hosting Orlando City, 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, as well as ESPN Deportes. All right, to the NWSL Challenge Cup, getting underway uh, this week. And actually on Friday with a couple games, Louisville, Kansas City, a 1-1 draw, but also the big rivalry, O.L. Reign and the Portland Thorns, uh, which also finished in a 1-1 draw. This a showdown hurt between the two best teams from the regular season a year ago. And how about Sofia Huerta opening the scoring a golazo yeah. for O.L. Reign? Yeah, golazo for O.L. Reign, but uh, how about Christine Sinclair? What is that, goal number 876? Uh, is that the actual number? Good job. I, I, the statistics, I can't even I count that I don't know. High. She's got too many goals. Like That's what she does. Come on, man. Look at this. There so easy. Is. Don't make it that easy for her. Absolutely. 38 years young and still scoring. Uh, the game finished in a 1-1 draw between these two Pacific Northwest rivals at Lumen Field. How about the first ever NWSL Cali Clasico, Herc? Angel City FC, San Diego Wave on Saturday. Finished in a 1-1 draw. Natalie Portman leading the cheers. <laughs> She's excited. She'll be excited with this. First goal! First goal in their history. Give it to her. Come on. This is a nice little shot from Kristen Press right here outside the 18. A lot of power. Gets a touch on it. Yes, she does. Yeah, you thought it would be kind of cool if Kristen Press was the uh, first goal in Angel City history. Instead, it comes to Savannah McCaskill, another great player, wide open header. Yeah, you can't leave anybody that wide open. I mean, it's a lot of uh, air in this ball. It gives the defender enough time. Even the goalkeeper doesn't come out, she takes advantage. All right, San Diego gets their equalizer late. 81st minute, Kaylee Ann Real scuttling it across the line after the corner kick. Yeah, set piece goal, do you win? This game was uh, heavily contested. It was very even, almost the same amount of possession, 17 shots apiece, only one shot on goal. Really set them apart, six to five. Game played at Cal State Fullerton. The attendance only listed at 6,000, Herc. Thought they might have got a, a bigger crowd. How about this? Well, there were some winners. Like four of the six games ended in a draw, but there were some winners. Chicago went away to Houston, and they won 3-1 thanks to a brace from Mallory Pugh. Yeah, Katie Nunn right there uh, getting the first one. And then it's uh, Mallory Pugh in the 27th minute. Look at that. Cuts the angle well, stays with it. Keeper comes up big, but stays with it. Puts the first one in, and it's tied up. Pugh rolling right now, sending a message to Vladko Andonovsky in behind there, manages to finish. That would make it 1-1 into the second half when Aaron Wright converts from the spot. Chicago taking a 2-1 lead there. And then they would get a couple minutes after that, their third. It is Pugh again, the assist from Danielle Colaprico. Yeah, a little deflection, but it's two minutes after the penalty goes in. Uh, this is what you want. It's a good reaction. Mallory Pugh, 23 years of age. This has got to be the year. It's the revolution. The gener- new generation's coming, Seb. All right, Herc, let's show folks the rest of the scores from the weekend that was. Uh, as we mentioned, Louisville, Kansas City played to a 1-1 draw. North Carolina beat Gotham 2-0 on Saturday thanks to goals from Brianna Pinto and Abby Erseg. Orlando and the Washington Spirit playing to a scoreless draw as well. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This was episode 127 of the Clásico Regio. It finished 2-0 Tigres. I missed my over for anybody that was interested. Uh, the Tigres opener there from Andre Pierre Guignac in the 69th minute hurt a rocket to the near post. Oh, it's all in the hips, Chico. It's all in the hips. And then right here, the second one, it's the other Frenchman coming up big. It's uh, By the way, somebody should have told uh, El Rey Midas that this game was going on. I thought he had the golden touch. But that Monterrey was flying. Okay, easy Tigres TV, easy Tigres TV. That is the uh, the class of a World Cup winner, Herc. Of course, of course he meant to do it. As for Guignac, look at that. Uh, now approaching the top of yet another leaderboard. This for the uh, top score honors in Clásico Regio history. Uh, all right, Herc, he's still doing it. What, 36 years of age? Is he still the best player in Liga Mekis right now? Easily the best player. And not only is he still the best player right now, he's been easily the best player over the last, what do you want to say, nine years? Go eight, eight nine years in Mexican soccer. Nobody comes with him, comes close to him. Nobody can touch him. Mr. Andre Pierre Gignac, Mr. Liguilla. It's the biggest of moments, whether that's playoffs, whether that's finals, whether that's El Clásico right here, Regio, which is the biggest game in this both teams uh, sphere, he comes up big. This is what he does. He put Tigres on the map. When you think Liga Mekis outside of Mexican soccer, outside of the US, most people think of Rayados or what is Tigres. And most people come up with Andre Pergian. Yep, and he's red hot right now. A goal in eight straight games, nine in his last 10. Incredible stuff for the young man at 36 years old. You, you see how good it feels to call somebody who's 36 young Herc, especially for you now in your 40s, what it means to be just in, in, in that yet. 30s. There it is. There it is. Uh, you, still, still I'll in I'll join you soon. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. <laughs> what does it say about Liga Mekis that the best player in the league is 36? Huh? Oh, conversation for another day. Let's focus in on the Clásico Tapatio. Chivas visiting Atlas at the Estadio Jalisco in what was, I think we can fairly describe, a, a tense game. Herc, 31st minute. Atlas think they have a goal. Yeah, West America's uh, guest Julio Furch with the first contact. Quinones across. Did they get oh, it right? Oh, Seb. <laughs> I don't know. That, that angle's not definitive. The thing is, they called him already out. So, like, when you go to VAR, it has to be clear and obvious. I don't know how you can overturn it, but yeah. Ten minutes later, Atlas threatening again. Quinones didn't miss by much. Quinones was big all night. And then, look. This is what Julio Furch does. He's a, he's a presence in the box. Oh, Ponce, don't do it. Again? Yep, stoppage time of the first half. Things getting chippy. Jairo Torres and Miguel Ponce getting in a fight. Both of them sent off. Both of them seeing red there. So we're 10 on 10. Uh, look at that, before the half. 65th minute. Here come Chivas. Camilo Vargas with the first save. Roberto Alvarado. El Piojo makes it 1 0. JJ Macias sighting. Look, Camilo Vargas is a very good goalkeeper. It's a very bad spill into the box. They take advantage. Chivas nearly giving up the lead in the 79th. Miguel Jimenez with a big save on Quinones. Oh, no, Seb. No, no, no. It's time to go home. Don't do that. 90th minute. Quinones at the death. 
Yeah, I think I could hear the producer crying. He's weeping mm -hmm. <laughs> as, we, as we run this clip. Uh, oh, Quinones, oh. yeah, he would also be weeping after this, sent off for that obscene gesture. Six yellows, three red cards uh, in this match, Hercules. So what do you think when it's all said and done? Did Chivas deserve the point or was Leano lucky yet again? Uh, he was lucky yet again, but really quickly, it, it's upsetting and it's kind of sad that after so much violence out of the field and all these certain protocols that are trying to be structured, these initiatives that are trying to get going for people to just enjoy the game on the field, it gets worse. Um, so that was disappointing. But Leano, again, we talk about the last seven games for Chivas, he had one result. Sans all those other games, those other six games, he dropped points. In a position of power, when you're in the lead, you drop points. He doesn't know how to close out games. He also doesn't play with a nominal nine, which I really think hurts Chivas when they were at their best in this game. JJ Macias was actually in the game. Did they, did they even deserve a point here? Honestly. Look at the highlights. We just saw seven chances. One was Chivas. Well, deserve, look at that, look at that. Deserved is, is such a funny thing because nobody deserves anything in football. It's who puts the ball in the back of the net. What I will say is, I thought Atlas were a little hard done on that VAR call. Uh, for my money, and there was another angle that we didn't see, I, I thought there was maybe in play, but once you call it out, it's very difficult to reverse it. I'm just bitter because not only did I miss the over in the Clásico Regio, I also missed the under 0.5 goals in this game uh, for Chivas against Atlas. So mm. an 0 for 2 weekend. And actually, if you take all my player prop bets, Herc, it was an 0 for 5 weekend for your Ouch. boy uh, on Book It. So instead of doing another segment of Book It, let's do a segment of Borderline Red, shall we? Uh, this was JJ Macias trolling the Atlas fans. What do you think about this? Well, he's trolling them with their... With their stars, like, hey, these are my stars. Uh, no, no, those are Chivas' stars. You, you didn't get any of those, homie. I mean, also, Atlas has the most recent star, so, right? They don't really care. And here's Alexis Vega now uh, celebrating again in front of the fans. Beer comes in. What's he going to do? Yeah, I'll have a sip. That's probably not the best thing to do if you're Alexis Vega. Just from like a yeah, COVID, like physically like playing with drinking beer. Like I, I don't know, but it, I guess it's good banter. Hey, uh, one of the players that Mauricio mentioned earlier in the show, Eric Sanchez of Pachuca. How about uh, this goal, the game winner against Cruz Azul in the 18th minute? Yeah, it's not just Eric Sanchez. I mean, Pachuca in general has some ballers. Uh, Luis Chavez, Eric Sanchez, uh, Victor Guzman. There are a bunch of kids, Alvarez, who play really well there, who aren't getting a sniff. Sanchez, to be fair, he's uh, 22 years old. He was on the Gold Cup roster uh, this past summer for Mexico. The victory for Pachuca, yeah, it's a big one because it means they are now number one in the Liga MX stable. Eight, one and one on the season. Their first two points ahead of Tigres, who sits second. Puebla in third, Atlas fourth. Cruz Azul right now headed to the Repechaje in fifth. America, yes, I know you're all curious because they, they're not even on this list. Uh, in 15th after a three nothing victory over Toluca. Had to get that in. All right, top 10 goals. Ah, oh, no, the top scores quickly of Liga Mekis. We mentioned it before. Andre Pierre Guignac leads the list. Nine goals from 10 games him. so far this season for Tigres. All right, so we will be together and we won't be fighting, I think, on Wednesday with Mauricio Pedrosa at Pinche Gringos in Mexico, eating some barbecue, hanging out with the American outlaws. And Herc will be on the, uh, on the peppy train, won't you? Oh, look at that. Oh, look at Brady. that. Look at that. Historic. The legends.